All right, let's go to Psalm 136. Psalm 136. And it's day before Thanksgiving 2023, so we're going to just look at that subject for a few minutes today. Perhaps a little different than we sometimes do, people do. And uh, it, a lot of this, what I'm going to say is, is because through the years, we do practice as believers Thanksgiving. And if you read your Bible daily, and if you read your Psalms daily, it encourages you, you know, it, almost spontaneously to give thanks. But I want to talk about a, a, a few things specifically. Let's read our, our first few verses, if you would. Psalms 136, verse 1. O oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. You know, the, God is good, we say. And someone says God is good always, or God is always good, etc. Well, His mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. So it's, O oh, give thanks unto the Lord. And then in verse 2, it describes him as the God of gods. There are many gods in this world, small G-O-D, and uh, our God, capital G-O-D, you know, is he's the God of gods, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords. And there's no creature, no being, no thing greater than our Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. To him who alone doeth great wonders for his mercy endureth forever to him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endureth forever and he goes down through creation and different things he did for creation and the children of israel look at the last verse in the psalm for the sake of brevity oh give thanks unto the god of heaven for his mercy endureth forever now there's many things down through that passage and some of the things we're going to talk about today for a couple minutes would have parallels. But for me, this week marks 50 years since I came to the Lord Jesus Christ, till God saved me, till He birthed me into His family. 50 years. I did the math. 50 years is 18,250 days. Now, I broke that down into days for this reason. We, you can't live life by years. You can't actually live life by weeks. Probably the closest thing we come to it is be able to say we live life by days. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, if you would hear his voice today, harden not your hearts. Now we know that days are divided down. Biblically, most of the time, days are divided into hours. Uh, when it says in your Bible that someone gave space to them, no, not for an hour, uh, that's... Similar to nowadays, you'd say in the digital age, not for a minute, okay? But without all the last hundred years of, you know, breaking it down into minutes and seconds and all that kind of stuff, uh, life is lived, say, hourly, for example. But generally speaking, life's lived from day to day, sun, sunrise to sunset. We know that God prepares our days, the opposite of what we think. God started keeping time for us, not for himself. He needs no one to keep time. God kept time for, him, for us by saying the evening and the morning. Evening and the morning. Okay? But why is that? Because your evening determines your morning. Okay? So in reality, today started last night. 
it starts what time you decide to go to sleep. It's what time do you decide to unplug your mind and your stuff and let yourself go to sleep. Amen. Uh, what a blessing the lack of electricity can be in our productive, you know, obsessed, you could say addicted to activity lifestyles uh, that was started with primarily electricity, we'll say, and then the abundance of it and the frequency of it and availability of it, it's changed a lot. But if you've ever been in environments, let's say if you've gone to some place where there was very little or really no electricity other than if you could, you know, arrange a generator, you understand what happens when the sun goes down. You can have your little kerosene lamp or a candle or, you know, a little electric torch, uh, flashlight. But our life is lived by days, 18,250 days. I remember coming to Christ. I remember that. I didn't know anything about the Lord Jesus Christ before it. I remember the basic process of it. But what I do remember is that now for 50 years, God has been who He is. He is the Lord. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. He alone doeth great wonders. In Psalm 136, our text, verse 25, he said, Who giveth food to all flesh for his mercy endureth forever. He's fed me for these 50 years. But he's fed my heart, my mind, my soul. Been through valleys, through ups and downs, through disappointments, through everything but literal death. Been through several kinds of death. I've been through near death. But his mercy endureth forever. So I got to think thinking about whenever you have a Thanksgiving time. For example, if if you were having, a, uh, this is Thanksgiving Eve, tonight is. If you had a group of people together, or tomorrow when you gather around the table here, and we're talking about, you know, people who practice the holiday of Thanksgiving here in the States. And by the way, it'd be, it'd be okay to, to have some Thanksgiving <laughs> at least once a year. That would, that would actually be okay. I don't think that would disappoint God. You should be thankful every day, but it wouldn't hurt to have times when it reminds you, and that's what this is going to be about. But usually what happens, you know, usually uh, you'll say, what are you thankful for? And they'll say, well, I'm thankful for, I'm thankful I'm saved, or I'm thankful for my family, or I'm thankful for my health and stuff. And, and many times, the things that are closest to us temporally, they come to the surface first. But what if we sat down and we really said, Lord, if I had to limit it to three things or five things or whatever, what, what are the things I am most thankful for? And that's what I've done a few minutes. I'm going to testify a little bit, uh, just testify from my own heart, and perhaps it'll be a help to someone. The very first thing that I am most thankful for is the spirit birth, the spirit birth. Now, I know we say saved, and I'm saved. I'm thankful. Whether somebody thinks I am or not, I am. Amen. Uh, I'm regenerated, as in generated, regenerated, because we, we were lost. We were dead in our trespasses and sin. Uh, my body will still die unless something, the one exception, the catching away of the bride of Christ, the believers, the rapture, as it's all commonly referred to, unless that happens, my body will die. So I, I'm thankful for spirit birth. My body's not My body's not been born again. Now, God has sustained it. And I'm thankful for what use I have of it still. Very, very thankful. I'm thankful that I get up and 
can do things physically. There are some limitations. Uh, this time of year, in fact, just last week marks three years ago that I had a really bad dose of COVID. And it, pardon me a little parentheses here, but it, it, it was funny. Uh, I'd be around people <clears throat> and you had these two groups, basically. The one group were fearful. I mean, completely fearful about the pandemic. The other group were deniers and they would go at it and I'd be kind of stuck in the middle listening to them. And then after I had it so badly and stuff and I'd hear those deniers, I would just laugh. I'd get a smirk and they'd get all upset. Well, what are you laughing at? And I'd say, well, uh, if you'd been robbing, you wouldn't go around trying to deny it. I wasn't fearful, wasn't panicky. In fact, I, I didn't let them put me in the hospital on purpose because I probably would have been one of their their $80,000 statistics, <laughs> okay? Um, but my point being is that when you come through those things, you realize your body is, it could, it, it could go at any time. So I'm thankful for the spirit birth. Uh, not just saved, I'm saved, but I'm born again. You know, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. You know, John three sixteen was the first scripture that I know that I was ever exposed to. I didn't know what it was. I just, someone had put it on a billboard, a large billboard years ago, okay, 50 years ago. And I would go buy it every day. At first, I'd go buy it on the way to the last few months of, of high school. And I got out, and then I'd go buy it every day on the way to work. And it would pound into my heart. I didn't know what it was. If someone said, do you know what that is? I'd say, no, I don't know what that is. But it says, I, if, you, if you come to Christ, well, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him, and it said, should not perish. I didn't get the love thing at first. I got the perish thing, meaning... Something has to happen for you not to perish. And when I came to Lord Jesus Christ, I didn't become a Baptist, you know, or a Catholic or a Methodist or Arminian or Calvinist. I didn't become a Congregationalist or any of those things. I never was those things. I was just a pure, absolute heathen. And uh, we used to joke, we raced thoroughbred horses, so I'd say we, had, we were thoroughbred heathen. Thank God, you know, within a year or two, my folks got saved. My two brothers, younger younger brother, two years younger. My younger brother, 13 years younger, got saved. My mother, my daddy, my brothers, they're all with the Lord right now. They're gone. I can't wait to see my Lord, and I can't wait to see them again. Thank God my grandparents on my mama's side got saved, and my auntie on her side got saved. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The thing I am most thankful for, if I was allowed to say one thing, and I know we say I'm thankful I'm saved, but for me, for me, it's more than just being saved as in thinking, okay, I'm not going to hell. I'm thankful that that meant, that included that it was a spirit birth. The Lord Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, ye must be born again. I know people try to divide that between when you got saved and, and so you got saved, but then, you know, you something happened to you and you were converted and born again. Best I can tell them, that's not what happened. Now, do you know it all? No. I, 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 they say I was born on a certain day, 1955. 
I don't remember that day. I take their word for it. It looks like it. I mean, I could have been born earlier than that, <laughs> as beat up as my body is, but, but I'll take their word for it. I wasn't there. I don't remember it, but I know this. I'm alive. I was born. So I don't know the exact time of day. I didn't have to look at a clock. I know where I was at when I knelt uh, and trusted Christ. I didn't know what it meant then, all of it. I had hardly no idea what it meant. But I know that something happened inside of me. And it had to be taught and grown and nurtured just like a baby does. But it was a spirit birth. Something changed inside. Something was born inside that could receive now what it could not receive before. I could have read my Bible, the Bible through multiple times. I could have sat through multiple sermons and I wouldn't have got what I could now get. Because the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness unto him. Now that he can know them, they are spiritually discerned. But see now, spirit birth, you know it. The one thing, the first and foremost thing that I'm thankful for is a spirit birth. By the way, uh, you do what you want. Uh, I don't wake up in the morning wondering if I've been spirit born. I, I hear people, I mean good Christians, so I'm not being critical. I promise I'm not. But I hear good Christians talking like they wake up wondering if they're even saved in the morning. I don't get that. You say, well, sometimes I wake up, you know, and I'm having negative thoughts or I'm having a worldly thought. Well, that's that in itself is, is evidence. You're, you're spirit born because you know the difference. You know, oh, that's a negative thought. Oh, that's a worldly thought. Oh, that's a carnal thought. See? I mean, think about it a little bit. I heard a preacher say one time that there was a guy who had a ministry of doubt. There's many of them. Some of these groups in the late 70s, mid and late 70s, were going through and passing out these questionnaires and getting people born again again, retreads, we call them. And they were appealing to whether or not they, you know, you've had you had a bitter thought, have you done this and that and blah. You don't doubt you're saved until you are saved. Before you're saved, you know you're lost. Now, there's some people who might say, well, I know I'm a church member and I know I'm saved and, and I'm saved because blah, blah, blah. I get that. I get that. Heard testimony on video of a fellow who passed away and when he did come to Christ in his latter years, you know, they happened to give it, he gave a video testimony uh, for his family to leave behind. I get that. But spirit born, spirit born. I don't understand people who act like they wake up not knowing they're spirit born. See, if your life as a Christian is based upon saying, oh, if I was saved, I wouldn't have a negative thought, or if I was saved, I wouldn't have a conflicting thought. Well, first of all, your doctrine's really messed up. And I say it with charity, but it is. It's messed up. Because you're not going to have conflicting thoughts until you do come to Christ. The rest of the time, you're just a heathen like the rest of us were. But the other thing is, is spirit born. I mean, if, if you don't have a, an awareness... Now, you can be spirit-born and it not be as real to you as it ought to be, but you ought to, you ought to work on that. Like, get in your Bible. Uh, get a hold of some really good of those old-time books. Get a hold of some things that might be in the way, and we'll talk about that. Number two, number two, Psalm 119 and verse 89 in Colossians chapter 1. Thanksgiving. Now... Like I said, we, we hear people, you know, uh, tomorrow people will be stuffing their bellies and, and uh, they better give their thanks before they do it or else they'll go into sort of a, 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 
glutton food comatose, okay? And I don't I don't know if you can ask God's blessing upon that. You can give us you can give thanks for the food. Lord, I thank you for this food for which I'm about to indulge and about to commit gluttony. Okay. Um, but let me say this to you. Psalm 119, 89. Thanksgiving 2023. Spirit born. Secondly, Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. We could run multiple references. I'm going to read you one out of Colossians chapter 1. Verse 23, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. And be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister, etc. Not just spirit birth, but a settled Bible. Settled Bible. Now there'll be some, you know, that won't catch what I'm saying or they won't really, it won't mean the same to them. But I'm thankful that very early on in my journey as a new babe in Christ, people started showing me that there was a settled Bible. Okay? There wasn't a mythical, uh, mysterious, elusive, original text floating around somewhere. There wasn't uh, things that I had to take somebody else's word for. I had me an English King James Bible given to me. I did not have a Bible growing up. The first scripture I ever had was a vest pocket size, almost like what we used to call soul winners. It was a minister's edition of the King James New Testament and Psalms given to me by Gideon right after I professed Christ and got baptized. He said, if you'll follow me to my house, I'll give it to you. And he did, and, and I found out later they only usually gave them out to preachers and stuff. He didn't know it, but God had told me I was going to preach, and I didn't even know what that meant. I had no idea what it meant. You haven't seen green like I was green. A settled Bible makes, as I read here in Colossians, a settled believer. An evangelist down there in Miami where my folks got saved in the church down there, before I went off to a so-called independent fundamental Baptist Bible College in Atlanta in 19, January of 75, before I went up there, he, uh, he gave me a Bible. He gave me a King James Bible. First full Bible I had. And he said, look, you're heading off to Bible school, just don't let anybody take it away from you. Well, uh, in my little limited experience on the racetrack and stuff, I thought he meant, don't let nobody steal it. Like, literally, take it. So I hitch a ride to Atlanta. I'm going to school. I'm working nights, going to school in the daytime, opposite of, of what a good Bible Institute did for me later, where I could work all, a regular job and then go to school at night. And so I'm going to school, and I'd go to lunch, and I would hide my Bible a different place every day. You're sharing your room with somebody. I'm on the top bunk. The guy on the bottom bunk was such a wonderful Christian that... If you touched his bunk, his his uh, his mattress, his bunk getting in, he would literally curse you out. He was one of those, and he, and he was the one who drove uh, the big Greyhound bus for the church. <laughs> it just shows you, it's a miracle you don't get out as soon as you get in sometimes when you get around people. So I come, out, come back from lunch one day, and the dean of men is sitting on my bed. First of all, that ain't what y'all be doing. He wasn't sitting on mine. He was sitting on the guy's lower bunk. Be sitting on our rack, and I said, and, and I knew it was going to leave it wrinkled. Though I said, "What are you doing? Get off there!" 
and he was a dean of men. I didn't know any better, okay? I may have learned a little better. I don't know. So he sat in the other chair, and he, he looked at me and started chuckling. He goes, I got to ask you something. Have you been hiding your Bible? And I said, now, what business is that of yours? I'm just a little bit suspicious in those days. And uh, he said, look, he said, why do you hide your Bible? I said, look, I'll just tell you this. That Bible was given to me by a fellow I respect, and he told me don't let anybody take it away from me. And he started chuckling. He said, I, he didn't mean steal it. He meant don't take away your faith in it. And I said, well, how could that happen here? Well, little did I know that within a few weeks, I would be introduced to how that happens. I would go to my first ever theology class. And the fellow would get up and say, he got up and said, I was sitting there. This is not hearsay. He said, do not bring King James Bible to class. By the time you come next week, you need to have your new American Standard Bible. That is the Bible for your generation. Okay. This is 1975, Independent Fundamental Baptist College. So I'm saying to you this, I'm so thankful for a settled Bible. Now, for me, it's different. For many of you guys, even guys I went to school with, you know, it's like a badge of honor to have it. And it's, it's this is what I stand on and believe. No, this is what helps me stay settled. I wouldn't say that by nature I'm settled. I mean, I'm, I'm just not Mr. Calm, cool, and collected by nature, but... This Bible helps you to be settled. And when you're going through things that could shake your faith, it helps you be settled. When people do things and, and things happen that, that you have no control over but affect your life, it helps you be settled. When the world is going nuts, even the Christian world, it helps you be settled. It's, it was For me, it was that starting point which opened up thousands upon thousands of truths and blessings and morsels that, you, that, that have eaten daily for that 18,250 days. You know, someone says, well, you know, I read my Bible so many pages a day. That's good if you do. I think it'd be foolish for someone who reads their Bible 40 pages a day to tell a tradesman that he ought to be able to do it. That is insane. You get paid to read it that many. You, you make your living doing it. I've seen fellows almost break themselves trying to keep up such a pace, thinking that that's what would make them spiritual. Do you know you can read you can read five verses and get totally fed from it in such a way that that no other words in the world can do that. I'm so thankful that I have a settled Bible. I don't have to worry is this word right or is that word right. If I don't understand a phrase, I don't have to say, oh, I'm going to have to find somebody who can tell me what it says. They might not be able to tell me what it says either. The good doctor said he had passages that he was trying to write commentaries on. Some of them he set aside for five years before he got that one passage where he could put it into words. Spirit birth, settled Bible, quickly saved brothers and sisters. Saved, saved. It's settled for me. They're saved, they're sanctified. They're, it's, it's a saved brotherhood. It includes brothers and sisters. You know, when you read your Bible and Paul talks about the brothers this and the sisters that, it's a, it's a relationship that supersedes earthly, although the earthly gives you a picture of it. And I guess one way to think about it is this, and it's that just a saved brother, a sanctified, sanctified. In other words, it's beyond a human family. Now, if you've got human family, 
that got in and they got spirit birth and they got settled a settled Bible. What a blessing. It doesn't mean you're always going to see eye to eye and all that. But he said, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, <laughs> over there in, in James 2.15. And New Testament believer, it's okay to apply that to you. You don't have to wait off till the tribulation. He said Colossians 3.14, above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. I'm thankful my mother and daddy, my brothers got saved, etc., etc. But I've got people that I'm even closer to than I was to them when they were alive, even though we were all saved and we were family and we're serving God. But you've got a sanctified brotherhood, a sanctified bond. And you can go to the far reaches of the of the globe, of the world, and run into people, and, and the next thing you know, what have you got? You've got a sanctified bond, a sanctified. Do you know, knowing that and experiencing that is one of the greatest things that can happen. Because it's not based on hobbies. It's not based on personality. In fact, you can get the weirdest personalities together in the body of Christ. And the only thing that keeps them from blood from coming out from under the door is that sanctified bond that we have. There's only five things I wrote down that were my top five. The fourth one is this. Secure. Secure in the blood. Security in the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we know that it's by the blood of Christ we know that we're born again, by the, not by corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. We know that it's the precious blood of Christ as a, as a lamb slain. We know that Acts 20, 28, it's by the blood that God himself gave and purchased us with what? With his own blood. And you see, the reason that's so, so important is because if we're not careful, it's easy. Listen, he said, Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves, to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers, to feed the church of God, watch, which he hath purchased with his own blood. It's that security. I can come to God, 1 John 1, 9. It says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Based on what? On the blood of Christ. Not as Oswald Chambers puts this really well, he said he doesn't do it because he loves you. He doesn't do it because he has a soft heart. He does it because his son's blood was shed. And if you teach people to come under any other auspices, you're doing them wrong. That blood is what settles it for us. That blood is what does it. And we're secure in that blood. There's such a blessing to know that it's not about service, that my security, my eternal security, you say, well, it's because of the Holy Spirit. It's because he applied the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I've seen the blood help me. I've, listen, I've had to travel a lot through the years and been given a little room to stay in here and there, some of them in spooky places as a missionary on deputation. And you get in there and it's all spooky. And you, and you know what you do? I learned this from the old timers. Start singing about the blood of Jesus Christ and it cleans out that place. Helps them spooks get out of there. That's not some wild out there doctrine. That's the real deal. I'm secure in the blood. Here's what I said to some young people the other day. I said, why the blood? Why blood? Why blood of innocent animals for 4,000 years of the Old Testament? Why the blood of Christ now? Why? Do you know why? 
If you're going into some long dissertation in your mind, you missed it. And I believe my Bible, and I can give you verses here and there and run the reference for you. I'm going to tell you, why blood? Because God said so. Only God Almighty can understand why it had to be blood. We know we can read, you know, the life of the fleshes and the blood and this. And we can know looking back. We can quote the verses because we have them looking back through the template. But I'm going to tell you, only God knows. You can talk about the fruit and what it was in the garden. And so when she took it, you know, and let's say it's the grape and you're worried about it, you know, tainting the blood and all that. It's blood because God said so. It's innocent blood because God said so. You and I couldn't ever figure out how a lamb, an animal's blood, is going to put away sin each time it's done until the Lamb of God could come. And that's God's blood, Acts 20, 28. You can't figure that out. But I'm so thankful for the blood of Christ. Ready? It's Thanksgiving. You got riffs on your part towards somebody? You need to put it under the blood. You need to do like they used to do when we go pay a bill, you know, before all this digital stuff. And they'd get that stamp out and they'd, boom, stamp that in red ink. It'd say paid. And they had a line. They'd write the date. And you'd keep that in your files. Paid. To this day, when you tra if you travel in your passport, they're going to stamp it. Now, it's electronic and all that, but they're going to stamp that thing. And they can glance at your passport and tell where you've been and where you, what you're, they're going to stamp it. It's stamped paid for us. And the fifth thing is a soul's burden. Uh, you could also call it a shepherd's burden, as far as I'm concerned. I think of this verse. Paul said in Romans 9, 3, I could wish myself a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. I don't know if I'm on that kind of ground. I think there's times I could. There's times I get so burdened for people's souls and and some, you know, you meet people, you think about people, you pray for people, and you're so burdened for their souls. And you're thinking to yourself, you know, Lord, I really, 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 truly, I really wish I could do something to get them in. What will you do at your own expense? What will you do if it costs you? And I looked back over the last 50 years, and I thought about how those 50 years were different than the previous 18 years. And I thought about this. Just because of a spirit birth, just because someone gave me a settled Bible and, and I met a sanctified brotherhood, and I know I'm secure in the blood, God could have me do things that I couldn't do in my human abilities before. I could never even get up and speak or approach people and instead I thought back you know in those early years I can still remember early on I was we were making visits once walking down between the back of houses there was alleys there in Fort Lauderdale and and the the home the homes would back up to the back and your your little parking place your little garage would be on the back of it shotgun houses and walking along passing out tracks and stuff and this one kid that was on one of my Sunday school bus routes came out and said hey I talked to my my leader my scout leader he said you could come preach to us would you do that we went in there and preached the gospel and gave an invitation I used to go into this one part rough part of Fort Lauderdale and stand on the bumper of the car and I'd sing a song as hard you know hard as it was 
for people to put up with it. And then I'd preach and give an invitation. I've literally had them kneel there at the bumper and ask Christ to save them. I thought about preaching the streets or in nursing homes, rescue missions. I thought about being in the outer, farther reaches of the outback or inner cities. I thought about days of driving just to try to find a soul you, you had led to Christ and see if you could help them. I'm here and you're here because of other people's soul burden. I am thankful that we can't live our life. I can't live my life just unto myself. And it doesn't have anything to do with whether anybody in the whole world knows that I have a burden for someone's soul. I have that burden. I, I hope you do. I hope you wake up with a burden on your heart and mind. Generic souls, but specific souls. You know, I'm sitting here in the U.S. of A., thousands upon thousands of miles from Jerusalem and from Antioch, Syria, where all this started. And it got to me because of others. They carried it as far as they could carry it across Europe, and they carried it across there, and some of them got on ships, carried it across to the U.S. of A., and carried it through the wilderness and carried it up and down all, all the different highways and hedges of the U.S. of A until God would take and find me in a little little town at that time, not even a stoplight in that town at the time, and save a heathen brace tracker. Now I'm thankful for my health. I'm thankful I can still, even after the COVID thing, I, I, I get a horrible smell sometimes. Just everything smells like covid but then other times I can smell my food and I can taste my food. I'm thankful I can see, I can read, I can move around. Even with the limitations, I'm so thankful. But those things don't come close. They're daily. Those are daily. But they don't come close to that spirit birth where it all started. And that settled Bible that's gotten me through 50 years. And that sanctified bond and brotherhood that is exercised to this day and the security, the secure in the blood, the security of the blood of Jesus Christ and a soul, the soul's burden. God puts it on us, a shepherd's burden for those of us who care about shepherding others, helping them, guiding them. May God give you a good Thanksgiving day if you're here in the U.S. of A. celebrating it. And I pray you will celebrate it with thanks. I know there'll be lots of fun and fellowship and all that, but let us... Let us go ahead and take a little focus. And let's be thankful. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. Oh, give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth forever. To him that by wisdom made the heavens, for his mercy endureth forever. O oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven, for his mercy endureth forever. God be with you.